Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoon's Show. Bill Arnold, thank you for joining me today. Oh, have I got a great show for you today, just like I planned. I've been working on this all week, and here it is. So we're going to start today with Beverly Canaris. She's my guest in the first hour. And then Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself will be in hour two as we uh, kind of go over the Salvation Series, sort of where we've been and, and what we've learned and where we're going. So it's going to be a, a great time. Today we're going to talk about uh, calling, your calling that God has on your life. So it's going to be a great hour I do want to start with a passage right out of uh, Psalm 63, verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So if that's you today uh, and you are seeking God and earnestly doing so, you're going to love this hour with uh, Beverly Canaris because we're going to talk about uh, God's calling on your life. And it's going to be a, a great hour. Bev, welcome. Thank you, Bill. So great to be here today. And I love this topic. I do too. Um, it's one that I've been interested in for so long. Um, this week, even at my Bible study at church, I read an excellent definition of calling, the divine invitation to embrace the salvation of God. So this is the aspect of calling that we're going to begin with in our discussion today, Bill. But after that, we're also going to be talking about after that initial embracing of that call of God to receive Christ, there are other essential calls on our lives that support the call to embrace and really embrace that salvation of the first call. So that calling, calling can be also defined as an outward working of God's purpose through our life. Mm-hmm. So calling is really an act of God. It's divine. It's what God intends for our life. That's exciting because that makes it all about God's business in our life. And this happens uh, throughout our life. It does. That God will give call, put calls on our life throughout our life. It's exciting. Yes, it's a very exciting. And Scripture has a lot to say about calling. It has a lot to say about um, the different things that we're called to. And also it gives us a lot of wisdom if we're seeking the Lord's will for our life. Um, So we're going to go to a two-part kind of teaching here this afternoon. First one is going to be God's calls within the call of salvation, within that call to receive Christ. So there's calls within that call. And then we're going to the second part, we'll be talking about God's calls to fulfill our life purpose. Okay. Okay. So in this program. Yeah. So the Bible is going to be our text, of course, Bill. You know how I love to teach God's word, and this is where the truth is found. So I would just really like to challenge the listeners right now today to be thinking about your life, looking back on the calls that God has put on your life, and then looking toward what God might be calling you to today. So this should be a very personal time as you're listening, you and the Lord, and thinking about how God has worked in the past in your life to call you, and then how you think God might be calling you currently. So this could be a real wonderful time of self-examination, a real time to give God thanks for those calls as well. So let's ask the first question. What does God call us to when he calls us to salvation? 
Well, God's call to salvation is a calling to believe the gospel. Um, The gospel is this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one and only Son of God, God himself came to earth as a baby, died on a cross in order that he might pay the punishment for our sins, and then rose again to give us and to show us eternal life that will happen as we receive him as Lord and Savior. So that is kind of the gospel in a nutshell. We need to know that when we talk about salvation, we need to understand what we're being saved from, and that is the punishment of our sins and an eternal condemnation without God. So Jesus has done that when we receive that that as truth for us and that we, we bring and we ask him to come into our life. That is the call of salvation. So we're told in the Bible that the call for us to believe the gospel was God's plan and will from eternity past. So if you have receive Christ, this was part of God's eternal plan for you. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says, For he chose us in him, Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship in Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, Christ, again, that he loves. Such good news. Isn't that great Mm, news? The best. So as God has called or chosen you to be a child of God, with that calls come some amazing inheritance. First of all, what we talked about in the definition of the gospel, forgiveness of sin, and then eternal life. And we're marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us and is a guarantee of our inheritance. Also, the Bible tells us that when we receive that call of salvation, God's power is at work in us, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Just today, Bill, I I prayed with that fact. I said, Lord, if you can, you promise us the power that raised Christ from the dead. This situation in my personal life right now needs to have that kind of power applied to it. So I just, I, I want all of us to kind of grasp what we've been given in Christ in, when we do answer that call to salvation. Also answering his call to salvation is something happens to the Bible. God's word becomes illuminated. You see truth and you have access to all the many wonderful promises it contains. Do you ever remember that moment, Bill, where God's words just started jumping off the page of you? You started to finally kind of get it? It was so exciting. So exciting. Yeah. And then you realize, too, that prior to coming to faith in Christ, the Bible should sound like foolishness. It does. From what it teaches. So when you talk about it becoming exciting instantly, it's really, it's a momentary light goes off in your head. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a fantastic. dramatic change and you just can't get enough. I remember I just couldn't and I still can't. I'm still not over God's word. I just can't get Me enough neither. of it. Well, these promises um, are many. Uh, this is part of your inheritance when you have received and when you have answered the received salvation, answered that call to salvation, you re- receive the promise of peace that passes all understanding. You are assured of hope. You're assured of God's love upon us and poured through us to others. You have true joy despite circumstances and a deep contentment, how we need that, that the world can't touch. So the call to salvation is really, I like to think of it this way, it's the ultimate affirmation and acceptance by the only one who really matters. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are looking for affirmation and acceptance. 
receiving this call that God is giving you to believe in his son and, and to come into the, to the faith is the ultimate call to affirmation and acceptance by God himself. All right, so let's continue on with this kind of thought. Now, within this basic call to salvation, there are other things we are called to. So once we are in the faith, a Christian, we've received the gospel, we've made Christ our own, let's name a few of the other calls within the call. Ephesians 4 says that we're called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one Father. So we are really called to an exclusive relationship there. Um, Syncretism is a mix of religions. It's like saying, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I think this God or that God or this faith is also uh, just another way. I'm just going to include it all. That's called syncretism. But this scripture, and when we are called into faith with Jesus Christ, it is a call to an exclusive relationship. Colossians 3, we're called to be one body. And we're called to peace. We are called to be part of something way bigger than ourselves. And that one body is the church. How are we doing in that department nowadays? Well, we're limping. Okay. <laughs> Would that be a good picture? Yes, yes. We're, we stubbed we're, our toe somewhere, didn't we? We, we are limping, but this is our witness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I feel like churches are, are coming together and are being challenged by this. Uh, we're, we're really called to be an agent of peace in that body. So that peace has to start within the body of Christ, within the church, and then it can spread out. But what happens is sometimes is there's no peace even in the church. And then what happens to our witness to the world of the peace that God is calling us to? First Peter says that we're called out of darkness into Christ's wonderful light. In other words, don't go back into darkness uh, also in First Peter, we're called to be a royal priesthood. We are to serve God and our King Jesus as priests, and so serving and witnessing to the people of God. We're also called, you're not going to like this one, but we are called to suffer for Christ, to bear his reproach in this world. That's, that's a one that we kind of gulp over. But I tell you, it's a we privilege. Shouldn't. It's a privilege. Yeah, we shouldn't go. No, no. We're, we are called to be different, and we will suffer reproach for being that different voice. We're also called to repay evil with good, with doing good. And in, also in First Peter 1.15, we're called to be holy as God is holy. Now, this is a stumper. How can that be? You look in the mirror, you know, I'm not holy. And yet God is calling me to be holy. How is this even possible? Well, I think we need to understand a little theology here. It, there's two things. It's called po- positional holiness, which is our position we retain after we received Christ, answered that initial call to receive him. We have a positional holiness with God. Before God, we stand with the holiness of Christ on us. He took our sin and he has put on us this, this holiness of himself. But then there's also something called progressive holiness. So the two Ps, positional and progressive. And this progressive holiness is this process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it also requires our cooperation. The Holy Spirit gives us a power that we can have over sin. And it also, of course, we've been forgiven the punishment of sin. So positional holiness and progressive holiness make that holy as God is holy possible. And that work of progressive holiness will be completed one day. First Thessalonians, God calls us into his kingdom and his glory. 
just let that soak in a minute. God calls us to his kingdom and glory. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God where he rules your life and love and wisdom, and you share in the glory of God and of Christ. But there's another kingdom, Bill. There's the kingdom of the world or Satan, darkness. Each of us are in one kingdom or the other. Really, Romans 8 sums it up beautifully for me here. Let me just read a verse here from Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So those are the many calls that we have upon our life when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. I like that. That word call starts jumping off the page, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's doesn't very, it? very, very cool. All right, yeah. we'll take a little break. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're talking about God's calling, not only to salvation, but the call on your life. So we'll be right back. I love this topic. We're talking about God's calling on your life, starting with salvation, and also the other many calls he places on your life. And um, Beverly Canaris is my guest. And uh, Bev, when we were talking about suffering, I was thinking of one of my uh, favorite verses, which is in Philippians 3, 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Because I really like the first part of that verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How often do you witness the power of his resurrection? I pray for it. I do, I do too. But when you see someone who's dead in their sins come alive in Christ, right. that to me is the power of his resurrection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so many answered prayers. I mean, it is only explained by God's resurrection power. Absolutely. Because people don't change. Yeah, but we don't like the second part of the verse quite as much as the first part. And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, because... No one suffered like Jesus. That's right. Mm -hmm. But somehow we as Christians expect to be treated differently. I know. Yeah. And that suffering does produce in us a Christ-likeness. It refines us. It's not fun. You don't ask for it. But afterwards, I think you're thankful. Most of the time I hear people saying they're thankful that they went through it. They'd never want it for anyone else. They'd never, you know, but they're thankful for it. So God uses all of that for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Take it back to Romans 8. Well, I just want to kind of sum up this first section on the, um, the call to salvation with this truth. God takes responsibility for fulfilling the call to salvation. God takes that responsibility. He calls us. He said, the scriptures say that he's called us from eternity past. Um, he knows uh, us. He knows us so well. He's got our future in his hand, and he takes responsibility for the calls in our life. Just like human birth, I didn't call my parents to bring me into this world by any means, and yet this here I am. And God calls us to himself out of love and his grace. Well, the only... Um, is that the only need that we have is a response to him. That's, that's what our, our need is and our response is, is to receive. 
when you are given a gift, you don't do anything for the gift. It's a gift. You receive it. So that's what God's call to salvation is about. It's receiving. So asking the listeners today now, have you answered God's call to salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's take a nice pause there. Pause. Pause. Did you hear what she just said? Have you answered God's call to salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a call going out to you. If you hear my voice, it's a call. By answering his call, you become the recipient of a great inheritance. You're missing so much if you have not received, answered that call. Today could be your day of salvation. Do not harden your heart. If you've tuned into this program and you're hearing this thinking, Bev is talking directly to me. Well, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. It Bev. is. Yeah. It is. Uh, often you hear people say, oh, that you must have been listening to my phone messages or whatever. And really, that is the Spirit when it, when it really hits you right where you're at. Well, always the first call is the one to salvation, which includes many wonderful offshoot and, and other calls. But now we're going to go into the second definition of the calling of God, calling as an outworking of God's purpose through our lives. We're going to look into many people's lives in the Bible who received a call from God to serve him and to accomplish his purpose through them. So let's see, how did they receive that call? How did they respond? I think we need to start with Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So maybe today, listeners, you're wondering, what do you want me to do, God? I had lunch with two friends this, uh, just at noon today, and that was the, the question. With all that's happening, they, they were asking themselves, God, what do you want me to do? And then second, let's ask ourselves, how does he call me to my life purpose? How does he do that? What does that look like? Well, God has so many ways. And as I go through these different Bible characters, we're going to learn so much on how God might be calling you to a specific life purpose. So let's start with a few people in the Old Testament. Noah. Well, most of us are really familiar with Noah. He is a person uh, most of us are familiar with, and Noah and his ark is an account from the Bible found in Genesis. Here's the first thing we learn about Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Genesis 6, 9. God had called Noah, and Noah responded and was in fellowship with God. Then, because of that context of being in fellowship with God, God asked Noah to do something rather extraordinary. <laughs> um, God asked Noah to build a huge ark, a ship, on dry land, filling it with every kind of living creatures, male and female. And by the way, he didn't have to go chase them. It says that the Lord brought them into the ark. Oh, and by the way, the Lord told him also to stock it with food for himself, his family, and all the animals. And they would need about a year's supply. Hmm. Think about what that would look like. I wonder if we put all of our groceries in the kitchen at once, what that would look like. Now multiply that towards all these additional uh, animals. Now, some of them may have been put like in a hibernation form. We're not sure. But still, the Lord told him to bring food. God even gave Noah the specific blueprints for this ark, explained to him how the coming, uh, there is going to be a coming world flood where all of life outside the ark would perish. God's call to us. The work he has for us may be out of step with the world. 
Now, everyone else laughed at Noah. They, they didn't believe Noah. Can you imagine? They probably called him crazy. And there may be times when we are called to be fools for Christ, a call to be different and obedient to the call despite popular opinion. Verse 22 reads, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Let's go on to another one. So we're just going to cherry pick those life lessons about calling out of these characters. Then there's Abraham. His call from God is found in Genesis 12. Abraham's call from God was to leave where he was living and go to an, an unspecified land. Now that's unnerving right there. And God would build a nation through him. God also said that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. Then verse 4 in chapter 12 says, So Abraham went as the Lord told him. So he answered the call and went. Fast forward some years and God makes a covenant with Abraham and Abraham believes God and that is credited to him as righteousness. Again, by faith. Abraham's call was a call to faith, to trust God for what he could not see. He, he couldn't see that land. Mm-hmm. And that's what a definition of faith is, is not seeing but just believing. He also left the familiar and he went all in to follow God. What do we learn here about calling? Well, God's call always requires faith. It is even a good test to see if the call is from God or not. I use this in my own life. I say to myself, okay, is, if God's called me to this, it, does it take faith? If it takes faith, I'm more inclined to believe it's the Lord. Mm-hmm. If it takes no faith and I can just go out and pump it out in my own energy, I'm not so sure it's from the Lord. Is God calling you to what feels like a risky step of faith? Are we willing to leave the familiar to follow him into unknown territory? Boy, Abraham sure did. And did at, a, at an older age. Yeah, and he never saw the complete fruition of that either, by the way. I know. Yeah. Then we've got Moses. He's a good to, character to I, talk about. I, I know. I love Moses. I think we're going to probably have to wait till after the break to pick up on Moses. I know we've got some other great uh, characters we're going to learn from in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about Moses and King Saul and King David, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And then we're going to go to the New Testament and keep learning lessons about calling. And if you are uh, thinking about your own life and is, what is God calling you to do? Well, hopefully f- he has called you first to salvation. And then as a result of your salvation, he's put other calls on your life. And I hope, I hope you're feeling the excitement to, to say, God, what calling are you putting on my life? It's exciting. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
I am sure enjoying this discussion with Beverly Canaris. We're talking about God's calling on your life. Starts with salvation, and then after you've come to know Jesus as your Savior, and you become born again, boy, God's got other calls on your life, and it's exciting because that's when you feel fulfilled with what God has for you to do. And we're learning from some Old Testament uh, people, and we just uh, delved into Noah and Abraham. Now we're going to learn about Moses. Yeah, Moses. Um, he had quite the burning experience, <laughs> you might say, when he was called. There was a burning bush, and God was in this burning bush that wasn't burning. It was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And God told him that he was the man to go back and rescue the Israelites from their slavery. Well, he argued with God that he's not the man uh, to take <clears throat> Israel out of bondage into Egypt. But God so patiently addresses Moses's insecurity with the words, I will go with you. A call can bring out all of our insecurities. For Moses, it was his speech. But God told Moses, who made the mouth? God with us can overcome any weakness in a call. I need to remind myself of that all the time. Yeah. Isn't that a good word? Yeah. Especially for a person that uses his mouth in his job. Yeah, it's a dangerous profession, Bill. <laughs> You're always walking on a real tight rope there. Well, let's, that's it for Moses. We're just taking, like I said, little vignettes from their lives and seeing how God called them. Now, the next one is the first king of Israel, and his name was Saul. He has a very interesting call. He was just a regular guy out looking for some lost animals when he decided to go to the prophet Samuel if Samuel had any insights as to where about these animals might have gone. But before Saul met Samuel, God had told the prophet Samuel that he was going to anoint Saul king. Samuel is amazed, um, of course, and but he does it. He goes, he anoints Saul, and is confirmed, and then Saul is confirmed in this call with a few miracles. Next, Saul's call is confirmed by the community. They all get together, and again, it was all to Saul. However, they couldn't find him after this. And you know what he was doing? He was hiding among the supplies. <laughs> what do we learn about calling from Saul? There's humor here. God often uses other godly people to call us to a place to serve God. That's true. God used Samuel here in Saul's life. God will confirm it, not only with you, but also with other people. The uh, other community affirmed that Saul indeed was God's choice. And also true here in a call is it is not uncommon for people to want to hide from, God, from God's calls. You know, we have fears in answering God's call. I have to tell you a personal story. I, it was the last day of the teacher who I had been sitting under for about uh, just a few years, and I was being called to be the the new teacher of the large class. And I was twenty nine. I was scared. I I I um I was overwhelmed. And when she was saying her goodbyes up at the pulpit, I slipped out of the back and went into the bathroom stall and was crying. <laughs> anyway, somebody came looking for me. But I can so relate to Saul. You just feel that heavy weight burden of responsibility, and you're not sure that you can do it, and it's frightening. Saul's life has a sad ending. Sadly, God had regretted making Saul king because of his disobedience. And did you know a call can be lost in disobedience? That's, that is a sad thing. Well, the next person we're going to look at in the Old Testament is King David. 
the writer of so many of our much beloved Psalms. David is said to be the apple of God's eye. Samuel is, again, this prophet. He goes and anoints David, who is uh, just the runt in a litter of boys. Uh, He was probably below 18, if not even closer to 15. And he was anointed king by Samuel under God's direction to take Saul's place, who, by the way, was still reigning. David was a shepherd. He had killed Goliath with a slingshot. He has much faith in God. It takes years, however, for David to come into his call. If he was a young uh, youth, is what the scripture calls him. So I, I put him at about 15. And he's, not, he's 30 years old when he finally becomes king over all of Israel. So do the math there, 5 and 10, 15 years of waiting for that call. But he was called 15 years earlier. He was on the run for many of those years from a jealous Saul who was threatened with David's talent and popularity. So what do we learn from David's call? We learn that a call from God may have a long waiting period. This can be very difficult for people. I remember feeling called to teach the word uh, three years distinctly. I, I just had a vision of myself teaching, and I thought, oh, you are a conceited terrible person. How can you think that way? And this just continued and, and it just, the, the, the call just became greater and greater on me. And I, it was so difficult. I would spend a day in confession of sin because I felt I just wasn't worthy. We may also be opposed in fulfilling the call by people or circumstances might oppose us. David had a real opposition there to what was a real call from God but it had to be in God's time. However, God uses the waiting time to further the training of his servants so that you're ready for the call. You don't want to cut short anything that God is trying to train you in. Let's move on to Isaiah. His call was this gigantic vision of God on his throne, and this vision brought him to his knees and a confession of sin. God cleanses him and asked him, Whom shall we send? Isaiah answers, here am I, send me. Meeting God personally and taking care of the sin problem launches us to what's next in a call. You see, Isaiah had to say yes to his call. We are not robots. But can I give you a little secret here, Bill? Please. Yeah. God gives us the desire to answer his call. As scared as I was to answer the call to teach the Bible, I've got to tell you, he gave me the desire to teach the Bible, in, despite all the fears mm-hmm. and the insecurities. Jeremiah, he was young and tried to get out of it, blaming his youth for it. I just have to read you a few of his own words. I, it makes me smile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's Jeremiah. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you. I am watching over to see that my word is fulfilled. He goes on to say, get get yourself ready. Stand up. 
Say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified. I love that call where Jeremiah, like some of these others, are trying to get out of it and using here his youth as an excuse. Jeremiah's call was a matter of obedience. Jeremiah must rely on God's presence. That was the promise there that he was going to be with him. He was going to put the words in his mouth, give him everything he needed. God also had the ability to rescue him and the words, the very words that he's going to need in this prophetic ministry. What do we learn here? In our call from God, we have a step of obedience. There's a, there's a part for us to play in that. And there needs to be a trust in God to see you through. And the overwhelming thing this passage here tells me is this. If God calls, God will equip. I love that. It's and his you're, business. You're not going to know how he's going to equip you until you say yes. That's right. And take your step of faith. Right. That's exactly. thrilling. It is. Yeah, it really is. It is. And it, it, I fall back on that all the time because I really feel this is his work, his will. Um, if it's his call, that's what I have to check in on. Is it his call for me? Then I can count on his equipping and his provision of what it is we need. In fact, when I started teaching, I was panicked and I, uh, I told him everything I knew the first time I taught. And so I was really panicked for week two. <laughs> yeah. You burned through all your material. I did. Yeah. I did. You know, your best talk out best, the window. Best of it, you yeah. know, the best of it. Um, and so I just, he just gave me a picture of this gigantic cave that you couldn't even comprehend how large it was. And it was filled with treasure. And he said, you're going to have access to this every week. Mm. All the treasures, all the resources you need is going to be available to you every week. Still, I can still picture that picture I had in my head, um, which really gave me a lot of encouragement. If he's equipping you to speak with authority, the words are going to be almost inconsequential. I mean, if you speak God's truth, of course, it's going to resonate. But just uh, when you speak with authority, that's when people's lives get changed. They do. And the only authority I have is that word of God. I know. It's so, not my cute little clever I mean. quip. Exactly. You, you know, I mean, about that. I had so much pressure thinking yeah. it had to be the clever quips and no, I had to no, be no, entertaining. No. And no. then I realized, hey, I am a mouthpiece for the word of God. Get yep. over myself and yep. just uh, eat a few saltines and I'll be fine. That's right. Yeah. So let's flip over to the New Testament now. We're going to start with a young teenage girl, Mary. Uh, of course, the mother of Jesus. Mary is engaged to Joseph. An angel comes and visits her, telling her she's greatly favored. The Lord is with her. There's that phrase again. We see that again and again in these calls. And also uh, the comment, don't be afraid. She was told that she was going to bear a son who would be great and called the son of the Most High and be a king who reigns eternally. This meant the Messiah. Well, Mary asks a very good question. She said, how will this be since I am a virgin? And she's given the answer that the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. He assures her no word from God, if God has spoken it, will ever fail. That's a verse we all need to highlight in our Bibles, by the way. No word from God will ever fail. So what will Mary do? She is really risking everything by answering God's call. Her upcoming marriage, her and her family's reputation, and even her body in bearing a child. Mary answers the Lord, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary is going to answer the call. What a calling. 
Oh, my goodness. But oh my. It's, it's every believer's calling to receive, to have Christ in us. Mm-hmm. But We're, to be the mother of the Messiah. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. What a calling. What a heart she must have had. Yeah. Oh what my. a special person. Mm-hmm. Well, here are several truths about the calling from Mary's calling. First of all, the Lord knows your heart. You know, so often you may see your flaws, your weaknesses. You may think you're not ready, but God sees who you really are. And God sees your potential. And we often are blind to that. Secondly, answering God's call is more important than our own plans. Can I say that again? Please. Answering God's call is more important than our own plans. You know, I like that. Following your own plans, Bill, will not get to get you where you want to go. It won't. Um, And thirdly here, we may not understand or know all the details of the call, but again, it requires faith on our part. And that was certainly a a step of faith for Mary. Well, let's look at the real obvious one in the New Testament, the calling that Jesus gives to the disciples. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist points out Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, two of John the Baptist's disciples, Andrew, and it's assumed John here, hearing this, they follow Jesus. Jesus invites them to spend time with him. Andrew then goes and tells his brother Simon. Jesus renames him, of course, Peter, because, again, God can see what we can become. The next day, Jesus calls Philip to follow him, and Philip, in turn, tells Nathaniel about Christ. Jesus, being all-knowing, speaks of Nathaniel's pure heart, and that he saw him sitting under the fig tree before he even met Jesus. Nathanael declares that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus tells Nathanael, basically, this is in the proverbial, you haven't seen anything yet, mm-hmm. what you're going to see. So what do we learn about calling in these early calls of the early disciples? Well, first of all, they started following Jesus. It's in the context of a relationship with the Lord that we are called. I just heard something as I was waiting to come in here on the radio where a gal said she used this time of COVID to to draw closer to the Lord, and she felt it was preparation time for the call of God on her life for ministry. So that's exciting to think about that, that um, getting into this relationship with the Lord deeper, it might be a, a real good place to be prepared for that call or if you're looking and longing for that call on your life. Second, like John the Baptist, he had to let go of his disciples. We have to let go of people from one calling to the next if they are to follow Jesus. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Third, the Lord's call will mean personal transformation of character. Simon is going to be no longer Simon. He's going to be Peter the rock. And then we have a role in the Lord's calling of others. Did you notice in this passage... Andrew brought his brother Simon, and Philip brought Nathaniel. And that's part of our role as well as Christ followers. We have a role in the Lord's calling of others. God may use you to point out a particular giftedness in a person or invite them to do ministry alongside of you. Yeah, that's how the body of Christ works so beautifully, isn't it, Beth? It is. It's... Let's take one more break. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and we're talking about God's calling on your life. So be right back.
We're talking about calling, God's calling on your life, God's calling you to salvation, God's calling you to do amazing things for Him and for the kingdom. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and Bev, let's uh, keep going through some of the New Testament uh, examples. Uh, Jesus calling the disciples, very powerful. Uh, do we have anything more there? Or we we do. To, we uh, just kind of started that process. Oh, awesome. okay. Jesus kind of did this in, in t- several different uh, places. There's a second kind of snapshot of Jesus calling his disciples, <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's found in Luke 5. Luke really gives us a complete picture of this time of Jesus calling them. We get a picture of Jesus standing on the shore by Lake the Galilee there, and he's he's teaching, and he asks if he can use one of the fishermen's boats so that, you know, he's going to use that water as a means of a microphone of projecting his voice. So he gets in the boat, and after he's done teaching, he tells them to let down their nets. And um, now these fishermen are the pros, okay? They've been out all night. They've caught nothing. And this time of the day, they know their nets will never catch a thing. But Jesus said, lower your nets. When you, Let me read it, <laughs> Peter's expression here. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. A thing. But because you say so... I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, the nets began to break. Wow, what a scene that was. Um, And what a response from Peter. Now he calls them to follow him. So they, at this point, they leave those nets and they start to follow men with the promise that now they're going to be fishers of men. What do we learn about calling here? Well, there may be preliminary steps of obedience before a call comes. So we see that Jesus has had some exposure to some of these men earlier. Second, a call from God most assuredly will cause us to leave a former way of life. We'll have to leave something behind. You know, they say when you add something into your life, you have to take something out. So there's, you're going to have to leave something. And third, as we follow Christ, we will be fruitful Look at the abundant catch when they followed his instructions and we see his power at work in that command. And remember, again, it took faith, didn't it, to go out and put those nets down. Mm-hmm. Then there's a third snapshot of a calling of a disciple, and that's Matthew. Matthew kind of gets his own little blurb here on a calling. Matthew was a tax collector sitting at a tax collector booth. He was a very despised individual because Matthew was a an Israeli, but he was working for Rome to collect taxes on the people, and the taxes were heavy, so they despised Matthew. They saw tax collectors as traitors. Well, Jesus approached Matthew and asked Matthew to follow him, and he did it right then and there. Matthew gets up, follows him, and goes home and has a large dinner at his home for all of his sinner friends in order to introduce them to Jesus. And of course, Jesus is criticized for this. What do we learn about calling here? Jesus often calls the outsiders, those who are nothing to culture. Um, I had the privilege of working in a women's prison, um, teaching the Bible to a, a class there. And we started to see that these inmates really had such gifts and 
could be used of the Lord. So we started what was called a co-leadership program where they would also help lead the group and take responsibility. So they too were called into the ministry of God's word, even within the walls of a prison. And second, we learn here that the call of the Lord is a call to be used to call others to him. Um, It's always uh, in light of that great commission to go out and to spread the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. Well, the final scene of Jesus calling his uh, disciples to himself, and I should really be using the word apostles. Here Jesus spends the night in prayer in Luke 6. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them to be apostles. You see, Jesus had many, many disciples or followers. A disciple is a a learner, so just one of his kind of protégés who would follow him and learn from him. Apostleship was a specific call, a unique office for a special task. So here we should note the importance of prayer in the calling of God. Jesus spent the whole night in prayer, prayer before the call, Prayer at the call, prayer after the call. God's call cannot be answered without close communication with the one who calls us. Secondly, we learn here that the Lord chooses. When we let God choose for us, we get the very best. We may not see it, but time will reveal that. Letting God choose, we get the very best. So true. So true. Mm Mm-hmm been true in my life and in obviously yours, Bill, mm-hmm. as you give an amen to that. Amen. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. His call is fascinating. And um, so let's just give a little background on Paul. He was Jewish. He grew up in Tarsus, a Roman city. He was well-educated, bilingual, um, had dual citizenship in Israel and Rome. He was very zealous. He was a well-studied Pharisee, had great education in the law. Uh, He was a persecutor of Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned. I call him a tornado. He's like a tornado kind of out of control here. But then the call comes. He's off to Damascus riding on his horse. When he's knocked off that high horse, he meets Jesus. He becomes blind and weak. God then sends Ananias to pray for him. Paul immediately starts preaching and proving from Scripture that Christ was the Messiah. He goes off three years in Arabia comes back, starts his preaching and missionary journeys, and Paul is severely persecuted. So what do we learn here about calling? First of all, God prepares us in advance. Saul didn't know it, but he was being prepared for Christian missionary work. Second, God can use us to do a 180-degree turn. Most He can do that to the most unlikely, just a complete turnaround in life, and that's an exciting thing to see. Third, God knows how to get your attention. (laughs) He told Paul he had been kicking against the goads. In other words, he had been fighting against God's call. Fourth, God will use other people to call us. He called Ananias to go to him. He also called Barnabas to go to him and call him into missionary work. And finally, immediate obedience is real obedience to a call. And the call does not come easy. Paul went into a difficult life of persecution and cost, There is always, always cost. So could you be going the wrong direction, the opposite of what God's calling you to? Do you see how a work that he is preparing for you and equipping to you for you to answer? 
Who is encouraging you to answer his call? Will you say yes and trust him to provide all you need in that call? And are you willing to take the cost? Lydia and Philippi, Paul meets a group of women, and and it says in Scripture that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. She's baptized and insists on giving Paul and his companions hospitality. It was the Lord who called and opened Lydia's heart to believe. Right away, Lydia answers God's call by an act of faith and baptism. She also displays her faith when she opens her hands and her home to practice hospitality for Paul and his companions. You see, there's calls, big calls, small calls, but that's only human measurements. God calls us looking for one response, regardless of the size. He wants faithfulness to the call. That's fantastic. What a great reminder, Bev, of all the ways in which God uh, gets our attention and, and calls us to himself. And it's always for purpose and intimacy and uh, fellowship and uh, to, to expand his kingdom. It truly is. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, doing this study with us today. It's been great. I've enjoyed every minute of yeah. it. It's been a joy. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. Beverly Canaris has been my guest. If you missed any of this, you're going to probably want to head to MyFaithRadio.com and, and hit it right from the start. That wraps up this hour. We're back uh, in our Wednesday Salvation Series. Uh, Dr. Peter Capster and myself are going to sort of recap where we've been, what we've learned, and where we're headed. That's all coming up on our next hour. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.